I think all society values art. I think everyone likes looking at, um, you know, visual imagery and they may not value all kinds of art, um, but they, most people like looking at artwork, whether it's on Instagram or it's in a museum or it's on the side of a building, you know. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art in the creative process. I'm the host and creator, Aaron S. For this week's episode, I had a conversation with the amazing Amy Salamone. Amy is a fine artist from the US who specializes in creating intricate digital collages. Combining her background and interests in science and art, Amy's work explores many different themes with the emphasis on the human condition. Her work is a brilliant amalgamation of hand-drawn illustrations, anatomical imagery, and scientific concepts that both enthrall and educate the viewer. So let's start where I start with everybody. Just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Hi. Um, okay. Uh, so my name is Amy Salamone. And um, so I basically have a history in science education. I went to school for microbiology um, and cellular biology and chemistry. And then I went and got a master's in um science education uh, in biology. And then over the years, I've been interested in the arts. I've been interested in the arts my whole life. Um, I was always making things uh, when I was growing up and when I was in school. And then essentially, uh, I decided I wanted to be an art teacher. So um, I was a science teacher at the time. But, uh, you know, I don't know what the way things are there, but the way things are here is like there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of kind of bureaucratic um, blockades to things like that. And so I ended up taking a lot of art classes, uh, but I wasn't able to teach art at the time because I would have had to student teach. um, And I was already a full-time teacher at the time. So I would have to go back and not get paid and be a student teacher. So yeah, it's strange. Um, Yeah, it's bizarre. (laughs) Right. You would think I would get the the experience from actually being a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, so long story short, um, you know, I ended up always having all of these classes that I had taken. And, um, you know, like I said, I always made art. And then uh, more recently, I probably about six years ago, um, I decided to finish a certificate uh, at a school. Do you know Rhode Island School of Design, RISD? Heard, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah so that's yeah. right near me. It's in Providence. So I ended up doing a certificate in natural science illustration there and taking a bunch of classes, um, in particular collage class, uh, and collage had always been my thing. And then I took a class and like my head exploded. Cause I mean, collage is the most fun. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and then I ended up really finding my voice, which I'm sure we'll talk about more, um, okay. you know, as our conversation goes on. Yeah. So that's pretty much how that happened. It's the long and short of it. So why is art important to you, especially? Uh, yeah. So I think art is important to me because it's a form of communication. So specifically, I'm trying to communicate scientific concepts with my art. And so art is just um, the way that I'm most comfortable doing that. You know, people write books, they talk, you know, they uh, write songs and art is really the way that I communicate things that are important to me. Hmm, I think that's a, is it? it's fascinating because like i always wonder why people choose art because it's like there's no guarantee that what you like the thoughts and feelings you're putting into your work there's no guarantee that i transfer to the next person seeing it you know oh, yeah. art, art is so subjective like it's very hard yeah. to know that what you're creating 
or like the meaning and thought you're putting into what you're creating is going to be perceived that way like does it ever yeah. bother you that's probably quite a premature question but does it ever bother you um not really uh so first off I uh so I like I said I was a teacher for a long time and I taught high school and the my kind of general consensus because now I also coach teachers is I'll say oh, wow. like students and in general people are listening to about 20 percent of what you say to them when you're speaking to them um and maybe I'm just speaking for me and I'm really bad at paying attention uh <laughs> But, you know, essentially, I feel like whether I was saying something or I was writing a poem, you know, everyone is going to perceive it a little bit differently, even if I was even if I was giving like a verbatim lecture on a scientific concept. And so because you bring your own life experiences to all of your perceptions. Right. So anyone looking at a piece of art is going to do that. Sometimes I will. I do have a lot of people contact me about making uh, a tarot deck. And I don't have any problem with making a tarot deck. I think it's a great, and I love that they're with me on, you know, that they're excited about my work, but it's just so not who I am as a person. And so I I have to say no a lot to that. I'm like, yeah, no, that's just not really, because if like you're coming, if I'm coming from my art from like pretty much a science background and I know what I'm trying to communicate and it's about, you know, all of these different concepts in evolution and natural selection and cosmology you know it just doesn't make sense for me to make like a tarot deck you know i guess because people are looking at your work aesthetically rather than the actual depth behind it they're like oh this would look pretty on a tarot deck which to be fair actually would be really cool i think it would be i think it's a really good idea yeah but but you're also (laughs) right like it's also about not your morals exactly but also what you want to stand for as well as the artist creating the work Right. And it's about things. If I made a tarot deck, I feel like it would just be something I was doing to try to make money. And that's Mm. just not really why I'm doing what I'm doing. So it doesn't really doesn't make sense for me. But people really want to see it. It's like the the one thing that everyone asks me for. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I actually really respect and appreciate that attitude because there's no, you know, you could easily just play. Yeah, sure. I'll make it and make some money. But instead, yeah. you're like, no, actually, you know what? Actually, no, I could do this. Yeah, sure. But I'm not going to. And I, I actually really respect yeah. that in this day and age, especially where a lot of art is commodified to the point of not really being art anymore, being a product. I really yeah. like appreciate and respect that because like not a lot of artists would do that. I don't think. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Hopefully in like five years, I still haven't made it and I can hold my head up high. <laughs> Who knows? By the time that this episode comes out, maybe I already have a tarot deck in production. We don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but then I, always, I always feel like, you could always challenge yourself. And also, it doesn't have to be a tarot deck. It could be like right. the uh, periodic table. Imagine that. Well, oh, oh, I no, you didn't just do that to me. I love that idea. I did. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to steal that inspiration. Even if it's not for a tarot deck, definitely for a series of pieces. Like, the- like how, like, that would be so interesting. Like, how, yeah. would, or like, or just ask yourself, like, because you're working about science, like, give yourself a scientific term and be like, how would I interpret this in collage? Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is, um, and I like, I'm just going to bring it up now, but I started making series because I was like, you know, because you you have ideas and you have the things you're most passionate about saying, but you just say them over and over again. And then, you know, they get old. And so I was like, well, you know, if I want to make series of work, what am I going to make it about? So I had an idea where um, basically I was going to call like, right now I'm actually making a series of work based on one book. So I'm reading the uh-huh. book and it's a neuro, uh, you know, neurochemistry book, basically, like uh, it's about biology and evolution and behavior. And I'm making a series of pieces based on that book. But then I was like, well, I could make a series of pieces called like biology class. 
you mm. know, and like think about the lessons you would teach in a biology class. Yeah. And like, that's what I'm going to make the pieces or like, you know, uh, you know, space science, you know, or astronomy class. Um, but the periodic table yeah. is a really good, really good one for a series. And I'm like writing it down and stealing it. So thank you. Perfect. But I think, <laughs> yeah. I think the great thing about your work, and we'll, we'll come back to the intro in a second, but the great thing about your work yeah. is that it's so versatile. There's so many different things you could, like small little sections and subsections you can get into and different kind of yeah. elements in your work and different threads, you know, different directions you can go. And it would all be still within the same, like umbrella of your work and i think that's really really beautiful actually i think that's really clever on your part whether it's intended or not i think that's so clever because actually i had an interview last week last wednesday actually with um, an article to steve roberts so i have a question for you for later on but oh, nice. as i say as i was saying about his work like his work is universal your work is very universal like every yeah. like it's 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 interesting because it's wide enough that different people can see different things in it but it's also niche enough that it's defined by the person who creates it and I yeah. think that's really, really, really magical. I think that's really clever. Whether it's intended or not in your part, I think that's what makes your work really fascinating. Because I see a piece of your work and I'm like, ah, that's Amy's work. Or like, ah, okay, this belongs in a collection. You know, you can yeah. you can see it together. You you, under, you see the thread that runs through it. Yeah, I mean, I, had, I was listening to someone on a podcast recently saying um, that when an artist create art, every art piece that they make is like a self-portrait. Mm. And I think that that is a very true statement. And yeah. I feel that way. Like, I feel like my art is really a self-portrait of my brain, right? Because this is the yeah. way that I think about the world and I'm creating something that communicates that. Um, so, yeah. Right, I'm going to yeah. swing back into the intro and then we can deep dive into your work because I'm like, this is this, these never go in order anyway, but let's just, That's fine. I'm going to get Whatever. myself back on track. So, <laughs> so, did you study art or you have taught? Oh, uh, so I, I would say for the most part, I mean, I studied art. So I, you know, I've taken a lot of different art classes, kind of not, I didn't go to art school, you know, I went to school ah. for science. Um, and so, uh, but I've taken a lot of art classes independently of one another. Um, and then I recently completed an art program, like a certificate program at RISD, um, the Rhode Island School of Design. And. And um, so, like I said, that was science illustration. And um, within that, I took collage classes, but like I've been collaging my whole life. So yeah. uh, really what those classes taught me was about uh, digital collage. It was at the, at the oh. time that I took the class, I had never created a digital collage. So what are your so. thoughts on art education? Like, is art something that you can teach somebody? Um, so I think what is important about education in general is like, and, and especially with something like arts and uh, education, sorry, arts education is about practice, right? So mm -hmm. it's not yeah. about someone speaking to you and you taking notes, although there's some of that, but it's about the practice of doing and it's that doing and it's that forcing you to do that, you know, builds that pattern um, in your brain so that your brain gets better at something. Um, and, you know, you see all of these artists and they'll say, like, this is a self-portrait I did 15 years ago and this is my self-portrait now. And the amount of growth there is like so unbelievable. And you don't need school to do that. Um, but if you are a certain kind of people or a person with art, um, it's helpful to have someone else tell you what to do hmm. um, and have you have to do it. It's almost like it cre you create a discipline for yourself of like art practice. For me... I needed that discipline um, because at the time when I really was exploring and, and kind of finding my own voice, I also have a full-time job. So like yeah. without me forcing myself to work um, on art, I'm not going to, I'm not always going to do it. Yeah. Um, 
Whereas like, there are lots of people that are in different situations that I am and are driven and are amazing artists and did not go to art school. So I don't think it's necessary, but I think it's helpful. Yeah, it's a good point. Cause you're right. It's about, it's about the discipline and the practice. And it's about opening people's kind of, I guess, minds to the idea of like, you can, anything's creativity or you can be creative. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I think that's a good point, actually, because I remember, because I did a photography degree a long time ago, and it was a very interesting experience. It wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. And it's kind of like, I've always wondered, like, how do people think about artist education? Um, I'm always curious. Anyway, I'm just curious about artists and their opinions, because like, you don't have to have an education or an arts education to be a good artist, because yeah. art is so subjective. But I also wonder yeah. if, like, does it actually help or does it not actually help? I'm always curious. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I will say that um, I have a couple of favorite artists um, and none of them have a formal art education. Ah, so okay. that, you know, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are also artists that I love that do, but uh, the ones that I'm thinking of um, do not. So do you think that in photography, art school is important? That's such a good question. I I think it depends on what the course teaches you because I feel like with photography I think the way the state of photography at the minute I feel like everybody's a photographer in one sense and um, well not everyone because I am a terrible photographer (laughs) yeah but I think in one sense of like as in like everybody has access to a camera it doesn't mean everyone's a photographer I guess but I kind of feel like it depends on I don't know I feel like the state of photography is a very odd thing I'm not really Mm -hmm. sure what the state of photography is anymore um but I think with photography like art though there's so many layers behind the scenes of everything you do behind just taking the image the creation of the work and i think it's important to understand and recognize that like even stuff like writing or theory particularly like photography theory i love photography theory i think it's great but i know some people who hated it and just even stuff like like how you generate ideas where you generate ideas you know i don't know i think it's important i do think it's important yes now you've said you're right now you're asking the question i'm like yes (laughs) all right good we went yeah i'm I'm excited that you kind of went in a roundabout yes sorry that was a very long-winded yes yeah no it's good (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it's good. I, I I enjoy my time. Yeah. I enjoy my time doing what I did. And it, it's funny because nowadays, like at this moment in time, I'm doing a lot more photography now than I have been for the last four or five years. So now I think it's serving me well now, now that I've sat down and had some time to reflect away from it, which sounds weird. But I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird situation, but it's all good. Um, yeah. But we'll say. Anyways, I'm going to talk about myself. It'd be a good idea. So do you think that being an artist gives you a different perspective on the world? Hmm, that's a good question. I think that maybe if I spent my whole life thinking I was an artist, I would have a better answer to this. Um, I think that, and sorry, I'm always going to pull this back to science because that mm-hmm. is my main. Absolutely. You know, Go ahead. Okay. I think that being a scientist gives you a different perspective on the world. Um, a thousand percent. Um, it's so, because you are you're thinking about your own experiences and you're thinking about the world around you, um, not from your own perspective but from a much larger perspective at least Mm -hmm. I do of like you know long expanses of time and change and you know evolution uh and atom you know formation of atoms and how they move and you know evolution of species and so like that changes your perspective of all of your life experiences I think that art um you know does it change my perspective? I don't know. It definitely changes the way that I, that I do communicate and, you know, that I do converse with people about concepts that are important to me, but 
I don't know. I don't know if it changes my perspective completely of the world around me. I'm not, that's a really good question. And I'm not entirely sure of the answer no, for me. Just that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So it's interesting. It's interesting you just said, you just said, oh, if I've always thought of myself as an artist. So right. actually let's talk about the idea of calling yourself an artist. Like, do yeah. you now call yourself an artist? I do, but like tentatively. Like about say how long, like at what point did you call yourself an artist or did you have the kind of, not courage or bravery, but the kind of inkling, I guess, to call yourself an artist. At what point do you think, well, did you feel like you deserved that term? Right. That I, think, I think at one point not that long ago, I Googled when do you start calling yourself an artist? So, you know, Google is very important in getting me to my point where I'm at now. <laughs> um, what did Google say? It, I think it said like, once you have a certain amount of your income, then you can call yourself an artist, which technically the that I wouldn't be able to call myself an artist because I don't make like a large portion of my income mm. from my art at this point in time. I mean, I would not love yet. to, but it's not where I'm at yet, you know? Not yet, um, it will happen. Right, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your you know, confidence in me. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think I think the thing is that people forget, like art is mm-hmm. 90% marketing, 10% yeah. work. So everyone's like, you know, oh, well, you know, it might happen. Like it will happen just with yeah. the right kind of marketing, with the right kind of ambition, the right kind of push and the right kind of direction, it will happen. Right. And there's no reason right. that I, I won't. Lot, yeah, I do have a lot of um, opinions about marketing and art, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, but... we'll get to them. <laughs> but yeah, I would say I started calling myself, an, you know, at the beginning of, you know, I started posting pieces regularly, um, digital collage regularly, I would say in like 2020. Um, I'd always, you know, I'd made analog collage before that and paintings and drawings um, for a very long time, Um, you know, for about, I mean, for my whole life, to be honest with you, but like, you know, taking art classes for the last 20 years, but um, I started making digital collage in 2020. And so um, I started posting then, and I think it was when I just started having like a good amount of people respond, really responding to them and joining me on that journey. And then people were interested in buying pieces from me. Um, and, you know, and then I got, I was very exciting because I contacted a gallery and then, you know, I had a gallery contact me back. Um, and it was a false sense of security because it was my first gallery that I contacted. And now, <laughs> now mm. I'm having more trouble. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I got this. Like I'm good. <laughs> and yeah. I think that at that point, um, you know, when I started selling my pieces, but then selling like originals, because I do make a couple of original paintings a year, usually one a year, to be honest. Um, And when I started selling those, uh, I felt like I could call myself an artist because other people believe that I was that, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really just other people's perception of me that made me start calling myself that. That's really fascinating. I don't think I've asked that question to a lot of people, actually. I'm going to add that into my normal mix because I feel like it's, it's kind of important because you have to have that self-belief. You know, you have to believe yeah. what you're doing is worthwhile and is gives you the right, I guess, to call yourself an artist. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's easier for me because I'm communicating information. Because in my mind, I'm communicating information I think is so important. Hmm. So it's not, I, my art is very much not about me. It's about the things I'm talking about. Um so I feel like, but, but like I said, it's really other people's perception of me calling me that, you know, and being like, oh, this person's my favorite artist. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that to me is crazy. I got people write that on my Instagram. I'm like, thank you. Um, you know, but then in reality, I'm also going to my 
my job every day and spending, you know, 40 hours a week doing something that is not this. So yeah, yeah there's that too. Wait, did I add that to this list? Oh, I didn't, but I'm going to ask you now because that's a perfect time to ask you because you just said. Yeah. So actually, let's talk a bit about what at least let's mention because you just said about your work and that like, you work, but you have a job and you don't do art full time. Like, so yeah, is being a full time artist something that you'd like to do? I think in my dream life, I would love to work. Tw- I feel like my boss is going to listen to this and be like, great. <laughs> in my dream life, I would love to work 20 hours a week at my job mm. and then be able to devote mm. the rest time to making art eventually I would love to slowly kind of like peel back from my job like maybe five less hours a week ten less hours a week just to make because time is very important to me um you know it's kind of one of those things that I value the most and I value like freedom of a schedule the most um and my my job I I like my job I, I love my job but it doesn't allow me that like it's a regular um you know 7 30 to 3 30 job yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as becoming a full-time artist, I mean, I wouldn't say no to it, you know, if yeah. it happens, I would embrace it. Um, but I do think, and I, I speak from the experience of having summers off. Um, yeah. I do think that at some point my brain kind of turns to mush. Um, <laughs> I become very slothy and I need like the interactions of other human beings. So like I'd have like even in the summer I'll make like to do lists for myself every day you know and it's like I have to oh, yeah. I have to create structures for myself so like I don't know that I would ever want to walk away from what I do and I also do like what I do for a job so it's yeah. it's hard to you know balance that yeah because I'm always really curious like I have a full time job and I run the fine football and I also do photography and I also do other things so it's like I'm always busy doing something but I'm always curious like yeah. how do you balance everything. It's really hard. Um, And, you know, it's frustrating because there's so many things I want to do. Like I want to start um, printing out my pieces on campus and then painting into them and marking them. Um, I have ideas for like, you know, media transfer and like different ways that I want to present what I'm doing. But it's like, like I said, I paint one painting a year because I painted in the summer. So like a lot of the things that I want for myself, I have to end up being like, okay, I'm going to do that this summer. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I'm not really the kind of person that likes that kind of mental, like I really bothers me. Like I, I hate it when people like wish their lives away and they're like, oh, thank God it's Friday. You know, like yeah. I, I just hate that mentality. So it can be really frustrating and I can get, um, really burnt out. Uh, and I have to really protect myself from that because, and it's interesting because like usually the way that manifests with me is I start forgetting things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the way I am. Like when I'm stressed, but it's not like outwardly stressed, I'll just kind of start like forgetting normal things that I wouldn't normally. And then I'm like, okay, something's going on here. Like I need to pull back. So, you know, mostly the person that gets my frustrations is my husband because he's the one that hears me being like, I can't do this. <laughs> or like, you know, freaking out when I'm like making dinner if something goes wrong because like that's the end of the world, you know, like. So yeah, I would, yeah. it's a lot. Like if I, I think about what I would do with 10 extra hours a week and I feel like it would be life-changing for me. So well, I would generally hope you get to the point where you can do that because I feel like yeah. it's important. But I also really, really appreciate and respect the fact that you said that, you know, you want to quit working at a day job altogether. Like you'd reduce mm-hmm. the hours because I think that's that's so important because a lot of artists I talk to who are full-time artists, because I know I'm very lucky I get the privilege of talking to both part-time and full-time artists. And a lot of the full-time artists say to me like, you know, the creating art is a small percentage, you know, just because yeah. you're a full-time artist doesn't mean you're going to be doing any more work than you're doing now when you're part-time. In fact, right. 
in some cases it's probably easier for you to stay part-time because it means you have a an escape from having to create all the time you know you get the time right. to think about what you're doing and i feel like right. we don't really think about that enough everyone's just like i want to do this full-time and it's like that comes with its own problems though Right. Like if you do something full time that you love, then you end up resenting it, you know, mm. um, because then you have to do it for an income. Like I was listening to an artist that I love and admire um, in an interview recently on a podcast. And she was talking about how like she um, almost like her painting is like uh, it's so instinctual that she barely thinks about it anymore. You know, mm. I like I was listening to Paul McCartney talk about how like he plays, you, you know, he plays like, hey, Jude, and he's like thinking about what he's having for dinner. Like, I don't want to mm. get there, you know, yeah. so kind of sad that, um, and I, you know, that sounds pretty ridiculous to say. I don't want to I don't want to get where Paul McCartney is. No, you know? I know what I mean, you mean, you mean that <laughs> things are so rehearsed that you don't think twice about them. You're not in the moment enjoying them in the present. That's right. Like I really, yeah, exactly. I really want to like, you know, create a balance for myself so that what I'm making is just as important to me as it is now. So. Yeah. Yeah. I respect that. I appreciate that. Actually. I think that's a good, it's a good kind of piece of advice or at least a kind of good lesson to, to remind people of because, you know, yeah. repetition is a good thing, but it can also be the downfall to creativity because you're just, if you do something that you know so well, it's like, okay, cool. I know what I'm doing. Let's do it. You know, you do it. And you're just right. a bit like, okay, cool. You know, you, yeah. you want to kind of enjoy what you're doing rather than just go through the motions of doing something to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Plus, like, then, you know, I mean, there's also my daily experiences and, like, what I go through in a day and the conversations that I have influence what I'm making mm, art-wise. So, yeah. like, where would those ideas be coming from if I was just sitting at home every day, you know? That's true. Not That's that very true. Just be sitting at home every day as a professional artist, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, if I yeah, no. yeah. Just... <laughs> Just sit in a small tiny space. Everyone that listens to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's a good point though, because like you have to live life in order for you to process your ideas, thoughts, and emotions to then transfer into your work. Like your work yeah. reflection of the way you live. And if you're not doing much living because you're restricted yourself to say a studio, for instance, then you're right. right. Like your work is going to be about white walls, probably. You know, you never right. know. Right. No, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So yeah. <laughs> So why is the biggest challenge of being an artist? Um, hmm. uh, I want I want to say like my biggest challenge in being an artist is based on what we were just talking about, which is pushing past and creating things even when I'm burnt out. Hmm. Um, because I don't want to like some like I definitely have pulled back. Like I feel like when I first started making collages, I could have made one every single day, you know, and I just had. It was like, it was like finding a, a little, you know, a kid finding a toy basically. So, and, you know, I, I think that maintaining that consistency can be difficult as an artist um, because you're, you know, I mean, you don't want to be repetitive and you want to say something new and different and um, you don't want every piece that you make to look the same. Yeah. And uh, that can be, I would say, the biggest challenge, um, like just basically finding time to express myself the way that I, I would I would ideally like. And that balance between, you know, what we were just talking about, like my job yeah. and then creating art. Yeah, for sure. And then, of course, there's also like the which I think probably a lot of artists that talk to you would say there's all of the financial and the bookkeeping. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea how. I'm probably going to get um, audited by the IRS. I have no idea how taxes work. Like I go to, I go to my accountant and he figures it out and like I pay my taxes, but like, I haven't made, I haven't made an online shop on my website because I'm like, how do I charge sales tax? So, 
I literally have an Etsy shop because I'm afraid of taxes, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's a workaround though, so. Well, yeah, well. that honestly is like the biggest challenge. So if there's anyone listening to this and they're like, I know everything about sales tax. I, like, up on no, yeah, I know some artists <laughs> who can send you some good resources for taxes. I can yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, people, okay. I'll, people, I'll send them your way. Okay. I'll awesome. Your way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, feel like... I contacted someone recently on Instagram and she sent me, she's like, I have this app and it tells you like how to deal with sales tax. And she's like, I pretty much don't know what I'm doing either. I think everyone's just flailing around trying not to break the law, you know? That's great. I love that. That's right. okay. Yeah. Everyone's just like, I've no doing, but here you go. Here's some, here's some random piece of paper I've got from the internet. You can have it too. Right. Um, no, I mean, no, but I do know people who do actually know what they're talking about. So I'll send, I'll send them your way because uh, oh, I know people who are very resourceful. So, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of feel like it's something that you probably should know. <laughs> probably no, it know definitely, it. it definitely is. I'm like, I'm, de- I know I'm paying my taxes. I know I am. I That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, there, are, I should know more. Like, I, this shouldn't be like a mystery where I, you know, go to my accountant and he tell, he's like, you know, the wizard of oz and tells me what to do and i'm like yeah. absolutely you know like i should know what's going on and i don't yeah so that's, that's actually oddly enough probably the biggest challenge <laughs> that's a very different challenge to what most people say that's perfect but it's very interesting right. very very interesting <laughs> so do you think that society values ups? um i think that there are parts of society that value art I, I, you know, that's not true. I think all society values art. I think everyone likes looking at, um, you know, visual imagery and they may not value all kinds of art, um, but they, most people like looking at artwork, whether it's on Instagram or it's in a museum or it's on the side of a building, you know, I think that um, people uh, value it. I think that people like stories and I think that art is a form of storytelling. So I think that for that reason, it's, it's widely valued. You know, do I think that everyone values it enough to spend money on it or Ken has that ability to go and spend money on a piece of art that they really love? No, but that doesn't mean they don't value and love it. Um, you know, I only recently, I bought an art piece. It was like a print from one of my favorite artists and it was the most expensive honestly item other than like a car or a house I had ever bought um but and I got to the point in my life where I was like I can make this you know expenditure and you know this is worth it but if you had told me 10 years earlier that I was gonna buy that for that much money and have it framed I would have laughed in your face so it'd have been like there's no you know like I won't even buy a $13 pair of flip-flops you know so like (laughs) so yeah yeah, i think society definitely values art and i think that um like i said i think that there is a difference between what makes something worthy of like being in a museum like i was i was in uh washington dc with one of my best friends um over the last weekend and we went to art museums and it was interesting to me like you know, what makes something worthy of being in that space? You know, there was, uh, there was an artist that was in um, the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. that was like uh, 45 years old. And for me, I'm like, wow, you know, like, what is it that that person did that made people value what they were doing so much that they're put in the, in the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. as like a middle-aged person, you know, person. Like, I just that may really makes you wonder. Um, whereas like there are so many talented artists that never have their work seen, 
Um, yeah. you know, so, and I can't even sell a print. So. True. That's very true. That's a really good point. Actually. What makes something museum worthy or gallery worthy for that matter? You know, right. what makes yeah. a good piece of art? That's, that's a good question. That's right. a good consideration actually. So let's get into <laughs> work. So for those who may not have seen it, could you please describe your work? Sure. Um, I think my work looks uh, cohesive, but, but very different. Um, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Having seen it. Yes. Yeah. Each one of the pieces. And it's funny when you're like, can you describe my work? And I'm like, I have a piece behind my computer and I'm like, what does it look like? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I would say if I had to describe it, it's like a love of a uh, fest of science imagery and, um, and, and, uh, science illustration kind of combined with, um like really classical uh pieces of art like art nuovo or uh like pre-raphaelite art i use a lot um and and you know lots of different uh organisms and plants and animals and uh even i will use um you know bacterial slides or slides of body tissue or uh, um you know images from uh, space and I kind of combine them all together and um, in my pieces I'm always um, making well I mean most of the time I'm making a statement like I have a clear thing that I want to talk about and um, you know I'm creating a piece that communicates that idea so some themes are like different themes in animal behavior like I have one piece called the evolution of love that's all about the evolution of a chemical um, called oxytocin that is a hormone released um you know in all sorts of different human interactions but in love um and so I'll really I'll basically create a piece um and a lot of times my pieces I would say the majority of the time they have anatomical form in them um and there's a reason for that um and basically my reason for that is because I'm trying to communicate something about like experience human experiences but related to a much larger narrative so it's like I have humans in my pieces but I'm not really they're not really the main subject if that makes sense uh like they are but in a roundabout kind of way so yeah so I, I think when I first started out it was I was always making anatomical pieces um and then as time went on I was like you know I really want to kind of branch out a little bit and not always include anatomical ephemera in what I'm making. Um, and then I also uh, draw pieces of ephemera too, or I'll like photograph things either, either, you know, I'll photograph like a ceiling or a texture that I find interesting, or even a piece of ephemera. So I'll, I'll photograph like um, old pieces of paper um, or like library cards. I like using a lot, um, any kind of vintage ephemera. And then I'll also draw illustrations and I'll include them in my pieces as well. So your work is really fascinating, like visually, because there is such a blend of, of kind of like nostalgia, I guess, in a way. Yeah. But it's also, it reflects on current themes as well, though, which is kind of really interesting that you choose to kind of have current scientific terms, terminologies, ideas, thoughts, and opinions, but also kind of presented in an almost, well, wrapped up in an almost kind of nostalgic past tinge kind of way. Right. Yeah. Does nostalgia play a role in your work? Yeah, I mean, I do use um, like a lot of the the imagery that I use will be like, let's say if it is pre-Raphaelite, which I use a lot, like people have emotional connections to those figures, right? They've seen them in art. Um, sometimes I'll use like uh, I use the birth of Venus or, you know, the um, uh, God and um, 
what is it? The hand of God from the Sistine Chapel. Like I've used that in a piece before. Um, but you know, there's always a twist on it. And, um, but yeah, so some people are connected to what I'm making because of just, they have like an emotional connection with that art piece in the original form that it's in as well. So yeah, I love using, um, Renaissance ephemera, um, from Renaissance paintings and I love, and I'm not religious, but I love religious ephemera. Um, okay. I just think it's so beautiful and I just, um, yeah, I love it. So you see that a lot. That's fascinating. Considering you're not religious, I think that's really interesting. Like, I kind of wonder where that draw comes from. I don't know. It's, you know, I, I was a student, you know, I am, um, a student of art, I would say like, I, I always took, look, when I was in college, you know, like I said, I went to school for microbiology, but I was like, when can I take an art history class? So I took multiple art history classes when I was in school. Uh, um, and I've just been like, you know, a, a lover of art museums. I can walk around an art museum for days and, you know, I love art. So to me, um, you know, the technique in, in Renaissance paintings, you know, and, and religious paintings, um, in that era are just, it's just so unbelievable that, um, you know, I'm, I kind of sit there in awe of it and I, and because they just kind of glow, you know, there's that, there's that like essence to let's say like a painting of Mary where she just kind of glows off of the canvas. And I just love that. So, yeah. And I feel like Mary especially has a lot of meanings to people, uh, yeah. ones that I wouldn't even think about because I'm not religious, but like, you know, there's, there's almost like, um, a lot of people come up to me and they'll say like divine feminine power and you know like so it, it's very meaningful to a lot of people that are looking at it and it's meaningful to me because I think it's beautiful and you know because I'm using it in a certain context but do you ever worry about like appropriation um you know I mean not really I think that it's not really, you know, collage artists can't really worry about appropriation because that's really the nature of the game is appropriation, kind of. Um, mm, depends on what you're appropriating, I think. Right, right. I mean, I I worry about like a big challenge of mine is making sure like imagery that I use can be used like lawfully. Um, yeah. But so, you know, that is a, it's not really a struggle, but, you know, there's lots of imagery that I would love to use that is not um, old enough to be able to be. But yeah. I think that also, um, you know, the way that I'm using the ephemera is significantly different. You know, what I'm trying to say is significantly different because it's not just, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the anatomical imagery I use other than what I draw is from, you know, anatomical uh, atlases from 1500s 1600s 1700s wow. so 1800s so yeah yeah just uh, the news I asked is because you said about you like religious imagery or like like iconography or ephemera is interesting to you but you're not religious and then obviously pre like you're interested in that but you know obviously that's not your era but I'm just kind of because yeah. it's interesting to me because your work blends all these things together yeah. And it's kind of, I'm just kind of curious because I think in this day and age, especially where like cultural appropriation, not as cultural appropriation, but cultural appropriation is very like a hot topic, you know, yeah. here and there, whether rightly or wrongly, I don't know. But I'm just kind of curious, like, as to how you navigate that as a collage artist. But as you said, you know, I guess in many ways, a collage, the whole point of collage is you're bringing completely different random elements to form something new. Yeah. And I think your work actually does that very well. So it makes a lot of sense. But I'm just, I was just yeah. curious. I was like, and hmm. you can do, you know, you can make collage, let's say, with just like cut paper and, you know, um, oh, yeah. geometric shapes and not be using anyone's imagery. 
I just don't do that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I would say because there's such a different meaning to what I make than the original intent of the painting, uh, it's not really, I understand that it's the reality of the situation, but it's not something that I'm necessarily thinking about. So you have a science background. Yes. And you create art. So at what point did these two worlds merge? And at what point did you find collage to be your preferred medium? Yeah. Um, so so um collage, I was I love collage. I've loved collage my whole life. And honestly, it really started with me making like did you make mixtapes? How old are you? Yeah. Me, you did? Okay. All right. So mixtapes were like a you know, they were a thing. And um I've made my share of mixtapes and I used to collage the covers of them when I was a kid. That's so, cool. so I would spend like an hour and a half just like finding the perfect images in, you know, magazines to make my collage on my mixtape. And I did that for a really long time. And collage has always been um, my favorite, you know, form of art. And, and I really spent a lot of time figuring out what art I liked the most. Uh, you know, like what medium I like the most. So I spent a lot of time drawing and painting and um, and I love mixed media. Um, but at the end of the day, I would say collage and mixed media were what I just kind of finally settled on. And I think it's because um, I'm kind of a fast paced person and they are faster paced. You know, you can kind of just think something and just it's a faster process than an oil painting. And, huh. and I do make oil paintings, but they can be tedious um, for me personally. Um, but yeah, so as far as science and art uh, and the merging of those, I think that those have always been neck and neck because that's who I am as a person. So yeah. Right. There's always been a component of me. Like I went to school for science um, and, you know, I I value that. Um, I taught science for a really long time. Um, So I was a teacher for 16 years and I've worked in education for 18 years. So I value that. Um, And, you know, the things that I have to say, my voice and what's important about my voice has everything to do with that information I learned. And so, you know, because art has always kind of been hand in hand and I've always been an artist, but didn't know what I wanted to say with my art and kind of just copied, you know, like, you know, when you're when you're trying to figure out what your voice is, a lot of times I would just, you know, when I was painting, I'd just be painting an object in front of me, you know, Mm -hmm. like it wasn't like I was saying anything. I was just practicing, you know, and skill building. And then over time, like I just figured out that, oh, okay, the thing that I have to talk about is this other piece of myself. Um, and that's really where the merging of those two things came together. Yeah, that makes sense. that's pretty cool though. I like the idea of the fact that like obviously science and the idea of kind of using your art as a vehicle for conversation. I think that's yeah. very valuable. And I think the fact that it's about something you're actually passionate about, you actually want to talk about and that you can talk about and you're happy to talk about. I think that right. makes what you do so much more successful and easy because it means that you'll never run out of ideas or thoughts or like kind of, oh, I, you're, you're always very excited about what you do because there's always something new to say because you actually want to say that. I think one thing that a lot of artists do nowadays, or at least the uh, the easy way out, I think, is to create work that is very much just somebody else's and then, you know, just copy somebody else's formula and to be like, mm-hmm. oh, because like somebody like yourself, like I don't see many artists do what you do. I don't really, I can't really think of any off the top of my head, which is great because that's what you yeah. want. You want to be like in a, a niche where you actually know what you're talking about. 
Right. Because you can, you know, you can be an artist, right? And you don't have a science background, but you're very interested in the natural world. Yeah. You can have that. Um, there are lots of people like that. And I don't, you know, I think that they're wonderful. Um, but when you have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and, and, and 18 years of, you know, experience in science communication, like there, and there are things that I have an understanding of um, that someone might not be able to just by like, you know, being an outside observer um, okay. of something that they like. Like you can be a naturalist and love visually what you're looking at as a naturalist, but do you understand like genetically what's going on and like cellularly what's happening and like how evolutionary change happens over time? Like, so when I look at natural systems, I think about things on a very large scale. I've always been that way. Um, and a lot of people don't necessarily have the educational background to be able to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of college, cause it's interesting because you said like, you know, certain themes or certain kind of subjects you'd use is stuff like space imagery or even just a human figure or like plants. And you see that a lot in college, like a lot of college is very much like images of space, people in space, yeah. or yeah. it's like plant life or it's like, and it's kind of interesting because your take is completely different. It's like right. over here, over here. And they're like, every yeah. actor is like here. Because like, for me personally, I love collage. I think I've grown to appreciate collage so much more in the last five years than I ever have. But I think mm -hmm. it can be very repetitive. You can look at a lot of different artists creating the same kind of work. Right. And somebody like you stands out because your perspective is so unique. And also because you have something specific you want to say. Like a lot of collage artists generally just do throw images together. And they're like, cool, this is the final piece. Whereas in someone like yourself, like there is a thought that goes behind it. And actually, right. the question I wanted to ask is like, do you feel like collage is seen as a lesser form of art? Um, I do. So, and I didn't, I don't think of it as a yeah. lesser form of art, but other people so, certainly yeah. do. Um, I've actually kind of uh, been confronted with that a little bit more as I try to uh, apply to galleries. And I think it's not necessarily the collage even, it's just digital art. Um hmm. You know, there's like a lot of galleries that will even have like they'll say like artist submissions for this kind of media uh, or artist submissions, no digital art allowed. Um, and, you know, I think that that's ironic because and and it's ironic because like uh, so I was just at the National Gallery of Art. Right. And I was saying to my friend, if you have you ever been to D.C.? No. no? no. OK, it's a huge, huge art museum. Right. There's all these free museums in Washington, D.C., and there's the National Gallery of Art. There's lots of art museums in Washington, but this is just the one we went to. And it's broken up into like Renaissance art and, you know, kind of, you know, that uh, style impressionism. And then, or I'm not sure where impressionism is in this spectrum. And then the other side, there's another building that's contemporary art, right? Yeah. So I'm like, you know what's so interesting about these two buildings is one building is all about what was valued was the skill of like being able to paint in such a way that, you know, it's precise and you can't see brush strokes and your people are playing around with light. And there's, I'm sure there's marketing there, like, but the contemporary side, it was like the art of marketing, you yeah. know, like it's basically like, it's all about what the artist is trying to say and much less about about the media that they're using to do it, yeah. um, in my opinion. And so I think that digital art and digital collage is another example of that. And yet um, galleries don't want to accept them. And I think that that's really interesting. 
Um, you know, so it's like, you know, you think about like Banksy or someone like that creating like, like street art, you know, on a, the side yeah. of a building and somehow he becomes this like, you know, famous, uh, world famous millionaire artist, um, whose pieces are selling for, you know, millions and millions of dollars. But, you know, if there was another person that went and they spray painted something, you know, much more intricate, no one would ever look at it. Like, it's just really interesting to me. I don't even know where we want. Oh, you asked me about collages, but I do have a, <laughs> I do have a lot to say about because I feel like the they're fuck? not, yeah, they're not, but they should be, you know, because to me, what I'm making is important. Well, I think what I'm making is important because of what I'm saying through what yeah. I'm making. And that's what the what is important about it. And when I went into that contemporary art museum, that's what was important about their art too. You know, yeah. it was what they what their voice was, what they were trying to communicate. When you look at like a Jackson Pollock, like what was he trying to communicate, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just interesting that it's kind of frowned upon. Like people are like, oh, this is, you know, or you know, maybe not with collage, with analog collage, but certainly with um digital collage. I feel like it's frowned it's like not really valued as much i think that's a good point because it's like where like where what kind of place do we have for digital collage that's really the question because if it's not in a gallery yeah. where would it be right so it's like online or you have nfts which i kind of i'm opposed to um yeah yeah, it's just I, not, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the environmental impact, which I don't agree with. And then there's also like, there are just some things that are you as a person and that's not me as a person. Oh, I think a lot um, of artists that I know, a lot of us I talk to, it's not them either. I think, right. NF, I think NFTs are made for everybody. Like the whole art NFT craze is made for everybody who isn't an artist. Else who wants to make money. Yeah. I think realistically, yeah. I think for me personally, from my perspective, I don't, I haven't done enough research on it because I just didn't bother. But it's just like, it's a way of making money off a pandemic. That's as far as right. I'm concerned, that's what it is. That's right. what it was, yeah. that's what it is. And it's, yeah, and it's using art as a commodity. And I get that with like collecting art, it becomes a commodity, like it's an investment, right? Um, But I just, I just don't like it. It's like, just like I can't do my taxes. Like I don't understand NFTs and I don't want to. Same here, I don't want to read that. I just don't really care. I feel like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like, all the conversations I had about it and all the people I spoke to about it or people I know who did NFTs, it was literally just a cash grab. That's all it was. Right. It wasn't because they actually cared about what they were making. It's just right. cool. Let's make some extra money, which, hey, fair enough. We're in a pandemic where we were. Pandemic, fair enough. You make whatever money you need to make. I appreciate it, respect that. But right. yeah, I do also wonder if it's actually done damage to the art in the sense of like, at the fa you know, at the start, it was great that people were talking about art, but now people are talking about art because of the price that's been put on the art or, this person sold this at this amount of money. Is it worth yeah. it? Not, you know, look at these artists who are producing great work. I don't know. I think feel like maybe this is just me thinking about it now, but I feel like the shift in art has changed over the last few years that we're at a point now where people just look at the value of art, like, oh, how much is this going to cost? To like, oh, uh, you know, like, what does this person make as opposed to like, what does this mean? I don't know if you right. you might feel the same way. Um. I don't know. I don't, um, you know, like I said, my, my, my world is not necessarily the art world. So, yeah, you know, I'm not, that's not people that I'm necessarily observing. Um, you know, I do think that people that respond to me on social media or not through social media, um, the meaning of what I'm making is important to them. Yeah. Um, they're not buying my work because they think it's going to be worth money someday, you know? 
Ideally, I would love if it was, but I don't. I must say, but you don't <laughs> know though. But, but you don't know though. This is a thing. Like, like you laugh about it now. But yeah. You don't know. You don't. Yeah. You truly don't know. Like this. I think this is the biggest gift and the biggest kind of thing. I think what well, we all have to remember. And actually, it's so funny because I did the flying fruit bowl. I started it a long time ago, probably about ten years ago. And when I did, I interviewed a fashion designer called Rufus Dixon. I remember mm-hmm. his name because he gave me a piece of advice that I've always remembered. Okay. And that piece, it's a very simple piece of advice. And the piece of advice was keep creating because what you're doing today might be the thing that will set you off for the future. Right. And I think it's a really good point because you laugh about it now being like, oh, people are going to, it's not going to be worth it. It might not be worth much, but like it could be worth something one day. And right. now is that, and today might be the day you're creating that piece or that much for the last image you sold to somebody. You know, I think everything has value is life is all about timing. I've right. been getting older, realized life's all about timing. Look at TikTok and songs from, you know, 10 years ago being viral on TikTok now. Yeah. All about timing and perspective. So I think, you know, just because you feel like maybe your work isn't being valued now, or maybe it's not, you know, it doesn't make you the most money. Hey, it could do in the future because you just no, don't know. Absolutely. You're right. And it is all about timing, you know, and it's about who your, your work is put in front of. Mm. Um, oh, absolutely. And- Right. And so I definitely, I could definitely see that, you know, and I don't know. I just, I kind of laugh about everything. So, um, <laughs> but as far as, you know, I would say that the people that I come in contact with are very supportive about what I make because of what it means to them. Like I said, not mm-hmm. because of what it's worth, um, you know, yeah. just intrinsically or whatever, you know, because what of that it's value, it's monetary value is that's not what's important to them. So are there any kind of challenges or kind of surprises to to creating collage art? Something that people, you maybe think that people would be kind of like surprised to learn? Hmm. Uh, I would say, well, I mean, there is you, when you're sourcing ephemera for collage art, um, you know, you have to, maybe people don't know, and I feel like people don't know that you do need to make sure that that ephemera is um, public domain. So that it's not copyrighted. And so that um, can be a little tricky, not usually, but, you know, and there are some great areas where you can get um, very clear uh, messaging on whether images are public domain or not. Um, Like, for instance, like if you go to like the Met um, in New York, they have like an online gallery of of public of, you know, thousands and thousands of public domain images. So all of that can be used. Um, for different reasons. Um, so I would say that I would say just the sourcing of imagery for collage can be um, something that people just don't think about. Like when I have something I want to say, I either have to find imagery that can represent what it is I'm trying to communicate, or I have to draw the imagery. Um, yeah. Right. So there, there's that too, you know, I mean, so I do create like when I am drawing imagery, it is with you know, that purpose, because I want to see that and I haven't been able to find it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, so does the imagery come first or does the idea come first? It depends on the piece. So sometimes um, I have a very clear vision um, of what I'm trying to say. And actually with these series pieces, that's more of it, right? So um, the process I go through is different. So I'll like read, I'm reading the book, I'm taking notes, and then I will find a quote that um, resonates and something that I want to talk about and I'll make a piece with that in mind. But a lot of times I also just open up my computer and start making a piece. 
Um, sometimes that piece ends up meaning something. And in all honesty, sometimes it's just a practice. So sometimes mm -hmm. I don't have a deep meaning behind everything that comes out of my computer, right? So um, sometimes, and, and you know, I think one person, I made a piece a while back and someone recently wrote to me and they're like, what, what was your thinking behind this piece? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, like, I don't remember. I don't remember. I had a woman come up to me at an art show once and she was like, what were you thinking when you made this? And I'm like, but what do I do? Like, I don't remember, you know, like, I mean, I do make a lot of collages too. So I will make a couple of week. Um, and so I can't, you know, and some of those, I like know what the image was, you know, I know what the message was. Yeah. I know when I was making it, I had a very clear idea, but some of those pieces I would be lying if I said for every piece of art I make, I know exactly what I want to say when I jump into it. Um, and sometimes like even the meaning to me evolves over time. And a lot of times that's based on people coming to me and talking to me about it. Um, you know, uh, so I'll have like someone at a show because I do shows like really on a limited basis uh, locally. And I'll have someone come up to me in a show and tell me what something means to them. And I'm like, great. You know, like that's that. That's wonderful. And, and a lot of the meaning um, assigned to my pieces has to do with, because they, they all have anatomical or they, a lot of them have anatomical form in them. Um, it, a lot of times it'll be like in relation to someone that they love who is sick or themselves, um, someone that they loved and lost or them, themselves if they're going through a health issue. Um, and so a lot of the meaning that people bring to it is deeply personal. And I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, most of the time, like some of the time I know, and some of the time I don't like with the, like I said, with the series of pieces I'm making, I'm being very purposeful about what I'm making and why I'm making it, which I'm not always. I'm actually really curious because you said that you take quotes out, like the current series you're working on, you're taking a quote out of the book, but how mm -hmm. do you know, like, do you know when you see the quote that you're making an image or do you just take yeah. quotes down that will be like, this will be an idea or this could be an idea? Uh, it's, I will just write like, a, almost like if I were studying from a textbook, um, I will just write down things that I think are interesting and I'll remember the page, but you know, I do also have like a large basis. So when I'm reading about these things, it's not the first time I've heard of these concepts. Of course, yeah. Um, so like I do, it's almost like it just triggers something where I'm like, oh, that's something I want to talk about, you know? Um, you know, more, most recently I had an experience at my job where I was like, like heart palpitations. Um, and I didn't know why, and I wasn't really anxious at the time, but then I was reading, uh, and I had had like a bad day. And then this was happening after that bad day. And then I'm reading in this book and it's about, you know, uh, the brain. And it was just talking about how the brain predicts your future in order to protect you from like harm essentially. Right. So your brain yeah. will actually, uh, you know, it's just, this is the basis of anxiety. It's the basis of post-traumatic stress. Your brain will create a physiological response to, you know, input that's not even there um, because it's trying to protect you. And so that's what I ended up making the first piece of my series about that because I had just gone through that. And because I had read about it and I was like, oh, like I want to make a piece about this because it resonates with me personally. And I feel like it resonates with a lot of people personally. Right. So. That's actually really fascinating. So this is the thing, like there's so much potential to learn from your work. That's, and that's great. That's yeah. a great thing. It's that it's not just, oh, this is a really cool aesthetic image. It's actually like, oh, this is actually something that you can learn. You know, like imagine if you had, oh, we shouldn't give you this idea, but imagine if you had like an encyclopedia and like your yeah. work was like, and each page was like an image. 
Oh, I don't know. Or like do like an alphabetical series where like each letter of the alphabet is like a, a phrase or a terminology or something. You create an right. image for that. Yeah. Something in a, something in a thick book. all my series for me. Like, like, something, just something in a thick book that you can have in a thick book that when you open, you just scroll through it and like have it so cool. Yeah. That'd be great. People have, people have actually um, talked to me about that. Uh, not in any, they've just said like, oh, you should make a book where, because mm. if you go on my Instagram and it's the best, it really is the best place to see my art. I have a website, but my Instagram's better. Um, when I make a piece, if there's a really strong message behind it, there will be, the first time I post it at least, there will be an, a whole excerpt underneath it and it's part of the curation of me sharing that piece so it's like just you know sometimes I'll just share quotes but even if I just share a quote it's something that resonates with me relating to what I'm trying to say and so I would say reading those those um writing pieces that I that I post are as important as looking at the piece like I'm trying to create that experience together um like for instance with that piece I wrote a whole you know a little spiel after it so yeah, I think a book would be really cool, actually. It'd be really interesting yeah. to see how your work would translate in that way, actually. Yeah, I'd be open to it. <laughs> I think that would be really fun. So, and I, like I said, I have had people um, ask me about that. And it, that is something that I would be willing to do. Or if you were to create your work in a way that allowed, like when it's exhibited, to have like a frame of your work and the next to that frame, have like maybe a collage with your writing in or somewhere or something like that. Yeah. Something yeah. where it becomes part of the work itself, but also separate from the work. I don't know. Something yeah. that could be interesting. Well, it would be kind of cool if it was like a science book and, you know, you would have like neurobiology and there was like a chapter on neurobiology that had all my pictures related to that and the, my writing underneath them. And then it, you could have like, uh, I have a series called Atomic Shuffle, which is about atoms wow. moving throughout time, you know, how they're made in stars and supernova. And then they've kind of like, you know, moved nebula and galaxies and, you know, were formed and planets formed and how they end up in your body. But that even when they're in your body, um, they're in a, a constant state of shuffle with the environment. You know, they're not actually remaining in you for your entire life. And so a lot of my pieces are around that idea. That's like a main concept of mine that I like uh, creating around. And it would be cool to have that be like a chapter in the book. Have you ever heard of the photographer Francesca Woodman? No, I haven't, but I'm going to so, write her name down. So I'm going to send you something in a bit. And okay. so, so what she did uh, when she was alive, because she's dead now, but when, but when she was alive, oh. she had a series of work called Some Disordered Geometries. Basically, it was a mm -hmm. geometry book. And she took, because uh, she used to take a lot of self-portraits, so she took some self-portraits and stuck them in a geometry book. So you have like the background of the image is the book itself. So you have all these kind of interesting, very um, topical kind of paragraphs about geometry and shapes and angles. Yeah. And you had personal portraits over the top of it, just put place into the book. And huh. I've always, it's something that I've always, always thought about. She's one of my favorite photographers. Yeah. I'll send it to you because I think it might be interesting in terms of visually. It could be something interesting oh, yeah. you should think about. Um, I'll send it to you. I'll break it down here. So yeah, I love that because I love, like, I go straight up swoon about, um, like, math, geometry illustrations and books hmm. and, like, engineering illustrations, old science illustrations, not just, like, of anatomical, but, like, you know, microbiological, like cellular drawings. Like I just lose it. Like I, it's like a kid in a candy store. I get so excited. So, and I actually, that's one of the things I'd love to do moving forward is like integrate more illustration on top of my pieces. Um, so it's like, you know, this summer, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into that. <laughs> Everything's gonna happen this summer. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> would you ever collaborate with an illustrator? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Yeah. If I, you know, if I met someone and they were interested in it, um, I would, I would love to do that.
I love collaboration in general. So I've never collaborated on my artwork though. Like I've never, I did actually, that's not true. I collaborated with, um, there's somebody who is, she's a histologist. So basically she, you know, takes samples of tissue, body tissue, and she um, posts them and I collaborated with her. So I made a piece using some of her imagery, but that's That's like not, you know, kind of a collaboration, but not a full collaboration. Would you be open to collaborating with artists? Yeah, absolutely. I might know a few people who might be interested, actually. I should get okay. some of that together. That'd be cool, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let me write that down. Let me write down here collaboration. Just so I remember to think about who I can send you. Because I think, actually, that could be really interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. I love that illustrative quality of, like, those old text, the, the geometry, those textbooks. Like, I just, there's something about it that appeals to me. Maybe because I was a science student for so long. Who knows? So do you think there are any themes that art can't explore? Um... I don't know what happens after you die. <laughs> that's a good one. Although I guess yeah. one could argue like in in some oh. strange way, that's what your work actually does in some way focus on. Oh, wow. Look at what you just did there. That's <laughs> you really, you really uh, painted me into a corner with that one. Uh, yeah, you're kind of right, aren't you? Um, yeah, I guess I do. But I don't really know. I think that art can, can communicate any... Um, any topic I don't think that there's anything that can't be do you think there's anything that can't be I think I do think that I do think so I think there are things that you can't say through art because you have to say them through either spoken word or like I think when it comes to when I think censorship comes into the equation where like maybe that's not you want to say but it'll be censored so I think that's okay. you know I think that's really where I think art fails or at least maybe say the, the idea of censoring art comes into place should I say Right. Yeah, because it's not really the art that's failing; it's the censorship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think actually, I think I think there's no there there are no themes that art can't explore. But I don't think that just that how can I how can I say this? So there's there are no themes that art can't explore. But whether or not you have the ability to disseminate that art is a different matter. I think. Right. That makes sense. Because if something's you know offensive or or racist or negative, like I think you know obviously you can still explore that. But is that going to get the dissemination the person creating it would require? Right. Right. I think it depends on the purpose of the work. Yeah. I mean, I can explore themes in science, but just like you were saying, people are going to bring their own experiences to when they're looking at a piece to, you know, what that piece means to them. And that's not always going to be what my intent was. Right. Oh yeah, of course. Um, That's that's just okay. Like that's completely, I'm, I'm, I feel great about that, you know, but yeah. So there's a difference between a theme and then also um, like a clear communication. Like you can't always clearly communicate what you're trying to say through art. And I don't think that's the purpose of art. I think Hmm. art is, you know, art has value when someone looking at it creates a value for it and and within themselves looking at what you made so um but yeah i would agree with you i would say that that's probably a theme that it's a little bit more complicated to explore so to me i see your work as a commentary on the expression of of internal beauty as opposed to external beauty and um i was curious like what kind of role does the internal versus external have in your work if any yeah so um that kind of that question reminds me of one of my favorite science quotes is einstein because i mean Nobody was better at <laughs> at being quoted than Einstein. Um, and the quote is, look deep into nature and then you'll understand everything better. Um, I think that's like such a deeply profound quote. And that's really like a lot of my artwork explores that theme, that idea that if you could understand like 
not just like what you think or how you feel, but why you think those things and you feel that way. And, and it gives you a different perspective on who you are as a human being and, and on your own experiences. That's such a difficult, isolating experience. Um, and if you have a better understanding of like what's happening internally, I think or with that experience and communicate more effectively um, and feel less guilt. And so, you know, when I make my pieces, it's about someone understanding themselves better and themselves in the natural world. And it's about a change of perspective of a human being to look at themselves, not from the inside out, from the outside in, if that makes sense. Oh, it just makes sense. That's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you create what's digitally. And do you think that has any bearing on the way that it's received by people? I mean, as opposed to analog, you mean? Yeah, as opposed to analog. Yes, I guess so. Yeah, yeah as opposed to analog. Right. I think, um, you know, I mean, it depends. It's like, I remember when I first started making them, a lot of people contacted me, people that I know, and they were like, are those analog or digital? How do you make them? Um, and, you know, some people might be curious just to know what the process is. But I, I did feel like, at least in the beginning, it was like, oh, if you're making this digitally, then it's maybe not as special as if mm. you're making it analog. I did kind of get that feeling. Or maybe I was just feeling guilty. I have no idea because I'd always been, an, I'd always been an analog collage artist and now I'm making digital art. Um, so, you know, we're we're all our own worst enemies. Um, True. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that affects people's perception of what I made. I would say no. Um, but but I think that's because of the topics that I'm that I'm you know using my art to talk about. You know, I I think it's like I almost think of the visual imagery I create as uh, as important, and and it's starting a conversation, which is what I want, and that's the most important thing. But it's secondary to the message that I'm trying to communicate. So whether I do that through a painting or through um, an analog collage or through a digital collage is really irrelevant, you know, if that makes sense. So that doesn't make sense, but I'm also curious, like, do you think people can tell if it's a digital or analog collage? Um, I, I mean, I can tell when I see people's work, if it's digital or analog for sure. Um, so maybe they can, maybe they can't, maybe they don't care. How do you know? Um, digital, honestly, it's to me, it's like the way that the ephemera is placed. It's whether there's transparencies in it, um, like okay. transparent images, obviously. And it's also like because I'm spying on the person and I'm looking at the rest of their stuff. And if they've got process videos, that's analog. I know it's analog. So there's that too. I think that with digital, you can get a little bit more of a polished, refined look yeah. than you can with uh, analog. Like it's harder, you know? I And I, and I, but I, I mean, God, I mean, I've, Instagram is so great because I've become aware of so many amazing collage artists, both digital and analog. And, you know, people are just capable of creating absolutely beautiful work. So using both methods. Yeah, I was going to say, like, are there any advantages of creating digital collages? Uh, it's faster. So that's the, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's faster. So, so, you know, if I wanted to, if I said I want to make an analog collage and I want to, uh, I want it to be about um, blood circulating in the body, let's say, right? I could do that, but I would have to find the ephemera for it. And, you know, I do have many in the closet behind me. I've got like many different bins of ephemera that I've collected over the years. That's so cool. Um, uh, but, you know, and, and I do 
use them. I mean, I do use them in pieces. I'll photograph them and use them in a piece, but there's that process of having to look takes longer and to cut and to glue. And then it's just more of, there's more planning. So if you're making an analog collage, you have to, you know, you can move things around and you don't have to glue things down as they are. You kind of place things first, but it's more of like a deliberate, it's more like a painting, I think, than um, digital collage is, you can also, digital collage can be very much like a painting, but um, if I don't like the way something looks, I just erase it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and if I, if I'm like, oh, and, and a lot of you, what I love about digital collage is the amount of mistakes I make that I'm like, oh, wow, that looks awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't even know that I did that because Photoshop is insane. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, there's no way that I would live enough years to understand the depths of the Photoshop program. And so, yeah. You know, I, I, there are lots of happy accidents that I make where I'm like, that looks super cool. And I had no idea how I made it, how I did it. Uh, and I'm just like happy it happened. This, this is going to be a one of one because I've got no idea how to do this again. Right. <laughs> right. That honestly, there was one, there was one time when I want, and then sometimes when you want to learn things on Photoshop, it's like, oh my God, like you have to watch so many, like every video tutorial is like 25 minutes long just to okay. learn how to like you know, turn something. And it's like, why is this this complicated? And that could be kind of a struggle. You don't have those struggles with, um, you know, different forms of media um, where you have to watch a 20 minute collage of someone explaining how to do something that should be simple in like a thousand different steps, you know? I I think the funny thing about Photoshop there's like about 20 different ways to do the same thing. I know. (laughs) I know. And I always pick the easiest way. Like they always talk about not um, like do, like making duplicate layers so that you don't. Right. So that you can basically go back. I don't do that. So I think the way that I also use Photoshop is a lot more like a painting yeah. and it's a lot more exploratory where I'm like, okay, if I mess something up, then I just will erase it. And I don't care. You know, like then I'll just have to go back. And if I want to use that again, like maybe I waste a lot of time. Um, but I think I also save a lot of time. I don't know. But, I'm not, I've never been good at listening to directions. So I'm just really not good at like watching people explain to me how to do something. Like the idea of somebody opening up a Photoshop document and it has no layers strikes fear into my heart because I'm like, like how- No layers? Yeah. I'm like, how could you not have, like you have to have a separate layer for every single thing you do because otherwise if you make a mistake, what are you going to do? You're oh, going to well, ruin- I mean, Yeah, <laughs> I have different layers, but, but I will say actually I have, so sometimes I have to, Um, I, I feel like there's so much I don't understand about Photoshop if I'm being honest with you, right? So um, I like making stickers because I'm like a nine-year-old girl at heart, right? Yeah. So I recently made a sticker and every time I go to make a sticker, I usually make certain layers of it holographic and certain layers of it not. Who doesn't love a holographic sticker? And the people will write to me and they're like, can you merge all these layers and label it? And then I'm like, no, like, and I'm sure that I don't know how to, I'm like, but then there's things that need to be behind other things. So like, I can't really, can I do that? I don't know, you know? So like, I literally just figured out today, like today I'm on a back and forth with them of them like showing me and I'm like, that's not it. Like this other thing. So like, there's a struggle to, you know, but you don't know what you don't know, I'm sure. And then every time I learn something new in Photoshop, it's like a miracle. I'm like, oh my God, this is so much fun. But that's actually the kind of fun part about creating digital collages that you learn as you go along. Like with analog collages, because it's all planned out, it's, you know, you know what you're going to expect. The final result is going to be what you expect. With the digital collage, it's not. You could bring anything in and be like, oh, I didn't think about this or just the way an image gets placed on the picture. 
Right. On the current, like would change what you're looking at. Like that's yeah. And then the filters that you use and like clipping masks and like there's so many ways that you are editing. Like when I yeah, when I bring ephemera in, it's not almost nothing that I bring in looks the way it looks in oh, the yeah. place that I got it from. Like it's significantly altered. Um, so there's that too, you know, like I'm significantly changing where things are sometimes not even recognizable as what they originally were. Have you ever considered having um, like animation or moving parts in your collages? I have. I actually, so I work with um, an animator. Her name is Abby Inman and I hope I'm saying her last name right. Um, And I started working with her because um, the Oliver Sacks Foundation got in touch with me. He was a famous neuroscientist um, and science educator. And they got in touch with me because I was posting pieces and hashtagging him because he's one of my inspirations as a science educator. Anyway, long story short, she animates um, pieces and she's actually animated two of mine so far. And she's actually in the process of animating another one. And then last time um, we were emailing, I was like, what programs do you use to animate? You know, just kind of roundabout yeah. so that I could yeah. be like, okay, how do you use? <laughs> yeah, like, it'd be like something like like After Effects or something like that, I imagine, something like that. I'm not sure, sure exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, I think she uses what she, what she does is a little bit more. Maybe those programs can be more complicated than I'm thinking because I've used After Effects, but like, I just don't know what I'm doing. Like, that's something I would love to pursue this summer um <laughs> i'm gonna learn how to animate my collage your summer is gonna be extremely busy yeah it really is it actually is <laughs> uh, just uh, i have a an artist friend called odd cantaloupe and she animates her collages and they're really really fascinating because it yeah it transcends the idea of just a, your standard collage and it makes me be like this has a life of its own yeah yeah and particularly because your work is about you know the human body it's about a lot of physical moving parts Right. Like there's so much that can be done with your work that can really right. just extend the life beyond just a simple image. But then I think that could be really fascinating. Personally. I think yeah. that's, very, that's so, a very exciting idea. Right. One of the pieces that she, the first piece she animated for me had to do with hallucinations and how our brain wow. is constantly hallucinating our reality. And it was based on an Oliver Sacks book called Hallucinations. And um, she animated that. And it was awesome. Um, and then I put, like, I used the song Pure Imagination from Willy Wonka along with it. Oh, so good. And then um, recently I, I created a piece called We Are the, We Are Away, which is from a Carl Sagan quote, like, we are a way for the universe to know itself. Um, so, like, we're observers of our own creation, essentially. Um, and so... Uh, that piece is like my like love letter to science um, and to like the accumulation of knowledge over time and us looking, being able to look at our own, you know, creation. Um, and that actually is my first original piece that I printed um, that I will only have the one copy of. And so I had her make an animation of that because I wanted wow. to be special. So, yeah. That's amazing. And that's another piece coming out, but I'm not, you'll find out. I'm yeah. not going to. Oh, no, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me know when it comes out. I'm curious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, why are what? Like, what's your opinion on the current trend of AI art and the whole idea of like the digital realm that we're currently in? Right. I feel like I would be hypocritical hypocritical of me to say that like I don't like AI art because I literally just went on and on about how people people look down on digital art and they <laughs> shit, right. So I think that you know, for me. Uh, in more modern era, what the marketing and art has become about, you know, it's basically turned into a marketing, um, I don't want to say game, but 
it's all about what you're trying to communicate. So if someone ends up being really good at using AI and they have something really profound to communicate and they do that beautifully, I have no problem with that, you know? And and I think that it really forces every artist to take a look at their work and think about like the message and the meaning behind their work. Because if you're just creating like things that are visually pretty, but there's nothing behind them, um, then AI would probably feel threatening, right? Um, so, you know, I think that, like I said, it would be hypocritical for me to be like, AI is messed up, like it shouldn't exist because like really then people get like, well, digital art is kind of like that to them, yeah, you know? Yeah, the, the reason I ask is that, you know, people might potentially at some point like lump your work into the whole kind of, oh, it's digital art, it's kind of the same thing. Because in, in many ways, one can argue that AI art and collage are not that far distant really when you think about what right. they are so right. i'm just i was yeah. just curious because obviously it would be a shame for people just to be like oh oh that's amy's work is just another piece of digital art because it's a bit more than that but at the same time right. they're also right it is also digital art yeah you know i think about what what is that i'm making that is of worth and really you know uh, if you were a painter you spend all your time and you're creating a skill set that has to do with paint right with creating imagery that is um, beautiful and that is you're you're working on developing that skill and using that media for me what I make is a combination of me collaging yeah but it's also like you know 25 years of science education um, and communication and so really that's that's a big part of what I make um, and that's really like when we when we look at art as a skill, um, I think there's also something about like the messaging of art should be a skill. Um, you know, what yeah. is it that you're trying to say? How clearly, you know, are you communicating that? Um, and are you communicating in, in that in a way that is resonating with people? I think that that's just as important. Um, and that's interesting. Like when I told you about the two buildings at the National Gallery, one was all about the skill, right? Yeah. And the other one was all about the marketing and the messaging. Um, and, and granted, I'm oversimplifying. I'm sure not every yeah. piece of modern art in the contemporary art museum is about that. But, you know, a lot of it is. It's about like what they're trying to say. And that's what made it valuable. So how important is ambiguity in your work then? Uh, well, I mean, I think ambiguity is a part of my work because I'm not if I if I'm thinking like, I'm going to make a piece about gene expression. What I'm, I'm not going to draw an illustration of gene expression, or I could, but I'm going to use it with other elements that you know are um, like symbols of what I'm what I'm talking about, right? So I'm thinking about like what is the science, what is the concept, but then how do I relate that to the human experience um, so that somebody will empathize with that message and um, and find value in that message and become come emotionally attached to that piece. So, you know, I think ambiguity is important because if I were just literal, I would just be making science illustrations in a textbook. Because so, I think, yeah, because your work is very technical, or at least it has elements that are based on technical backgrounds. I think, you know, context for your work is sometimes quite important because maybe people haven't heard of gene expression or people maybe haven't heard right. of like certain terms or whatever. Like how important, yeah. I guess, is context for your work? And, and do you feel like you need to give context to your work? Um, hmm, that's a really good question. I do think that I like to keep context my work, but it doesn't break my heart when somebody looks at my work and they assign their own meaning to it. I actually like yeah. that just as much. So like, I'm pretty much, you know, it. 
you know, like when I when I go to an art museum and I look at a piece and it speaks to me, it's never because I read the little plaque next to it and it told me what to think. So, you like know, that. that's uh, that's really interesting, actually. Right. I like what I like because of my own experiences and anyone looking at any piece of art that's, you know, important. And so, you know, I think ambiguity is important. And I think that um, because then more people can connect with a piece if there's ambiguity in, in messaging. Just I kind of feel like there's a, a really interesting sliding scale between ambiguity and context. Like you want to you want to create a piece of work that enthralls a viewer and kind of draws them in, but doesn't tell them what it's about. But at the same time, right. they need to know what it's about to understand it or need to have some kind of anchor in your work for them to understand it. And yeah. it's like trying to find that balance of like your work being open enough that people are going to be interested and form their own opinions, but also yeah. closed enough they actually know what to think when looking at it. Yeah, I mean, I like it that like, if someone wanted to, they could certainly take a look at the what I wrote, and it could add to the piece for them. But even if they didn't read that, they could still get something from looking at the piece. And that they that thing that they get may have to do with the topic that I intended, but it may not, you know, I mean, I really don't know. So like, even just the piece I made about anxiety that, that I was talking about, someone could look at that and say, like, you know, a loved one, um, or maybe someone could love look at that and, and think of love, right? Because there's like yeah. the heart is front and center in that piece. And and their meaning is completely different from, you know, what, what I originally intended. And I don't have a problem with that personally. Um, you know, I don't know. I know that, I don't that know. makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's because I think it's a tricky balance, really, trying to figure out how to create work that is meaningful to you as an artist, but also is going to be sellable because right. you want people to buy it for the most part, you want people to buy it. I mean, I don't actually, that, I guess it's a question. I guess it's a good question to ask you because your work is digital. Do you feel like because right. your work is digital, do you feel like it is more or less sellable? Yeah. I think um, as far as I, you know, I've been talking to people, I, you know, I'm kind of like a student of trying to figure this all out, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not in my um, area of expertise, but I do think that it's harder with digital art to sell, maybe not to sell prints, but so, I mean, certainly to sell an original, right? Because yeah. what do you, what is an original when it's digital? You basically just have to make a copy and you can mark that copy up in different ways. Like you can, your hand can touch that copy. Um, but you know, if you've got, it's the single copy and you're never going to make another one, that's the original. Um, yeah. and so it's, it's a change of perspective of how we think about like an original piece of art. Yeah. Um, whereas like with prints, do I think it's, I actually think it's probably an easier process for me, yeah. um, to sell prints. Although, you know, what's harder is marketing of my art because it's harder for me to show process videos. Yeah. And, you know, people become like, if you have a Instagram account, people become emotionally attached. Like the piece of art I bought that we were, I was talking about before that was really expensive. I watched that artist make that art for like two years. Yeah. So by the time that art was released, I was like ready. You know, I was like, first. Right. In, I literally put an alarm on my phone because it was like one of the first days back of the school year. And I'm like, I need to get it immediately, even though it was going to be available for three weeks. You know, like mm. I wasn't going to not be yeah. So, so it is harder as a digital artist to create that buy-in around a single piece of art um, because you're not, you're not showing, you can show the process, but like, I'm not a whiz at reels. It's not a, I want to say like, it's not of my generation and like, you know, but it's kind of not like, I just, I grew up before computers. I didn't have a phone until I was 26. Like, I'm just not a techie person, which is crazy because I make digital art, you know? Like, Yeah, there's a nice irony there, I think. 
Right. But it's just not my thing. And so that's a struggle for me as um, a digital artist. Like, how do you create marketing? Um, You know, because I see some people create marketing through like, you know, this is what I'm doing in my studio. And it's like their studio looks all like beautiful. And there's like fields outside. And it's like... (laughs) Freaked and they're sitting there with their tea and I'm like, oh my God, like, stop. First of all, that's not what my life looks like, you know? Yeah. Second of all, like, uh, I would never create something that made my life look that when it did it. Yeah. And maybe your life does look like that. That's great. You know, like, I'm super happy for that person that lives on a beautiful field and drinks tea and, you know, thinks about their paint stroke. But like, that's not me, you know? Like, so it's, it that can be difficult for me. You know, that's not even like a digital versus a paint thing. That's more just like a me versus the world thing. <laughs> that's like, let's make uh, me look really aesthetically pleasing, but the work is lacking. That's what that says to me. Right. Well, it's like yeah. they're selling a lifestyle brand and it's yeah. like, I'm not a lifestyle brand, you know, like that's just not who I am. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not saying people are being inauthentic because they, oh, yeah. they are to them being authentic, but that's not authentic for me. Like mm. I would never. Yeah. You know. That's that's not your life. Like you don't relate to that, and I I get that. Yeah, I think a lot of people wouldn't relate to that necessarily. I think no. because I feel like I feel like that is actually an issue. I think in in the art currently, with particularly like Instagram, where we have and TikTok, where you have like aesthetic artists. They're not mm-hmm. artists for the sake of creating art. They're artists for the sake of creating views. The idea of the content yeah. creator and the artist are very, very kind of much aligned, but they're also very different. And I think, do you think that? This is off topic, but it's fine. But do you think that that kind of harms people who want to become artists or artists who are currently trying to make work that actually means something when we have people um, out here creating aesthetic art? You know, I think it's all fair game. You know, I think that if someone, if there's an algorithm and they use that algorithm to their advantage, good for them. Um, and that's just a hurdle that I need to get over as someone who is like, like adamantly like I'm never going to sit there and think about when I'm making a digital art piece like what my reel is going to look like I just and I know it like Instagram's like a free form of you know communication and I I never would have had that platform right like 20 years ago and I appreciate it but like there's just some things that you just can't do as a human being you know and I just can't um make a reel that makes my life look you know like it's idyllic you know and and I I have a wonderful life like I you know but it's just it's just not for me and I think it's important to be authentic and I think that it's hard to be authentic if you want it can be harder to be authentic if you want a lot of views on Instagram okay that's cool so yeah are there any particular routines that you have to focus on your app yeah um a lot of my routines like um so sometimes like sometimes I will go on like I, I'm a big walker. So I walk uh a lot a lot. Um that's my thing. And I go for hikes. It's like my favorite activity. So sometimes I'll be on a hike and then I'm always I feel like I'm always intaking information, which I think everyone feels like in this day and age, but like I'll be listening to a podcast or an interview with a scientist or, you know, so it's like I'm always learning information. Um it's very, that's a part of who I am as a person is like someone who's constantly interested in different things, like constantly has questions, constantly curious. So like, that's a part of my process is then me, you know, thinking about, um, different concepts from there. Um, sometimes I'm like, 
when it's right now it's like winter and it's sad but like when there are leaves on trees and I'm like walking and the wind is blowing I get into these because I said like I'm a big picture thinker so I'll like look at the leaves blowing and I'm like oh my god like thinking about like trees and then fungal networks and like I get in my own head with all of these like things I'll sit there and like I look like a crazy person on the side of the road because I'm like staring at like a seed for like 20 minutes you know so there's that um and then reading I think is a big part of my process um, like just taking in different ideas and science, uh, different information. And then the art making part of my process usually looks for a while I was making collages in bed. Like before I went to bed, I would go to bed super early, but then I started falling asleep super early. So I have to stop doing that. Um, but a lot of times for me, collages look like sitting in my living room. I have a chair, I put on music. Um, I love like, you know, I, I, a lot of times I can't listen to music that have words in it when I'm making art. Yeah. Um, cause it's like too much going on. So I'll listen to like, I like Miles Davis and John Coltrane and, um, a composer called Dustin O'Halloran and I'll put their music on cause there are no words. Um, and then I'll just make a piece. Um, and that for me is like, that's like, I have a studio, but I don't, I'm not often in my studio unless I am drawing. If I'm, if I am drawing a piece, then I'll be in my studio, um, you know, listening to music, drawing. So, and I do, once I get into it and I'm drawing or creating a painting, I love that process. Um, it's very therapeutic. It just doesn't happen as often as me opening my computer and making um, a piece. So that was a very roundabout way to answer your question. I feel like it's a no, 20 minutes. That, that's perfect. No, no, okay. that's, no, honestly, that's perfect. I love right. how honest you are and how open your answers are. I appreciate that a lot. Like, you're yeah. like you, you've clearly thought about the questions and not just that, like, you're very just open and I love that I love when people are very open it's great so you're not being like yes and then that's cool. it and I'm like oh okay great yeah <laughs> um, so how long does it actually take you to create an image oh god that could vary so widely um so I actually just made a piece that took me so like you know it could be it could take days um to make a piece and honestly it could take two uh, two hours to make a piece um, or even at maybe an hour, like some pieces come together so quickly. And sometimes, uh, a lot of the times I'll be like, these are my favorite pieces. Um, it's mm. the ones that come together easily that I usually love the most. Um, sometimes it just takes a longer period of time, whether it's working or not. Sometimes I'll walk away from a piece. Um, and occasionally I'll come back to it, but a lot of times I never come back to it. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, do you work on more than one piece at a time? No. No, no, I don't do that. No. no. Although that's that has become more complicated because I do do commissions a lot. Hmm. So I'm lying. I do actually work uh on more than one piece at a time if I'm working on commissions also. But I mean just purely just your work. So without but aside from no. commissions. No, I would always finish one before I start. Really? One. Which that's is weird because I read like eight books at a time. So the fact that's... that I will only make one collage at a time. But that's fascinating because like, wouldn't that be in some ways an easier way to make a series? Because if you're working on different things, if you're working on say like five images that like kind of at the same time, some of these ideas will bleed into each image. So therefore they'll become more uh, contained and more of a, a set as opposed to being very kind of, you know, separate. Yeah. Yeah. No, maybe. I don't. I can't. I can't. Do, no, I know. I think you're right. I just can't. Um, I never, it's maybe not that I can, it's just that I never have. I never even thought about it. That's fascinating. I think that's really interesting, actually, because just the idea of like you give yourself an endpoint, and actually, yeah. when it like when like how do you know when an image is finished? Um, I don't know. You just you just know. I'm very big on balance in my life. Yeah. Like, 
aesthetically things have to be very balanced around me like I'm very particular um even like food has to be balanced I know that that's weird like I, this is like a weird hatred of like pancakes yeah. <laughs> because like there's no protein I'm like where's like I feel like they're not a balanced meal like I don't know that's so ridiculous but like I feel like everything has to be balanced like or it upsets me for some reason. So um, I think just when I feel like a piece is done is when I feel like a piece feels done. It just feels balanced and it feels like it's done. I have made pieces. I did make a piece a long time ago that I posted recently and someone was like, this doesn't seem finished. Um, but, you know, I mean, and then, you know, I, I could get in my head and go back and finish it, but it's like, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's not, I, but I have gone back and edited pieces. Um mm. There have been a few pieces that I made where I just never really loved them, but I like liked pieces of them or I didn't like the colors I used and I would go back and change. I have gone back and changed them. That's also the very, very good upside to creating digital art is that you, because you have everything saved, you can always go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Like, yeah. like that's, and also this, you're saved on storage space as well because it's all on your computer, which is great. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of... Uh drama with storage space on my computer so. <laughs> about say, i imagine i imagine those files run up quite high i imagine oh because, my god yeah. yes and i ended up buying another computer and then i had to buy it's like this whole drama because my husband works for apple and oh it's like he understands technology and i'm like i don't get it like just fix it you know like make <laughs> yeah. it work and i drive him crazy um but yeah we had a whole thing with me having enough storage and i'm sure i'm gonna run out at some point yeah. And then it's like, I have an external drive, but I don't tr like, I'm like, I'm going to lose it, you know, or I mean, I wouldn't lose it if I just put it somewhere and kept it there. But yeah, that is typically what you do. <laughs> yeah, Like I have anxiety about that. So yeah, we, we definitely have drama around storage space here. I finally ended up buying the extra cloud storage and he like was against it. I'm like, we're, I'm doing it. Like it's a business expense. No, it's a good, that's a good idea, though. Like, I think that's a clever idea because at the end of the day, like, you want to make sure that what you're doing is backed up in some yeah. form or another. Because, yeah. I mean, but then again, I guess it depends on how attached you are to work because I know quite a few artists who have said to me, if they lose, like, for instance, their Instagram, if they lose their Instagram, they'll just start again. And I'm just like, but what about everything you've worked for? They're like, oh, oh I'll my just start God, again. I would be devastated if I lost my Instagram. Like, I'd be so sad. But I think that you're, the people that you're talking about have probably built up, like what I need to do as an artist is build up like a mailing list and build up like, yeah. and create oh, an existence for myself outside of Instagram. And oh, I, because yeah. I need to wait till the summer to do that, like I'm in the process, <laughs> I'm in the process of finish, uh, figuring that all out, but it, you know, it's, it's complicated. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. These things don't just happen overnight, but I think, right. yeah, that was one piece of advice I give to everybody that I'm not qualified to give to people but I always say like think about future proofing your your Instagram or your followers because Instagram's not gonna be around forever and oh, you know man. even nowadays with the algorithm being a bit kind of crappy and, and people not seeing what you post it's like how can you draw audiences outside of Instagram or where else could you prove your work that could be more beneficial or just right. as beneficial just because Instagram yeah. is like currently the it place to go to doesn't mean it's the best place to go to and it doesn't mean it's always going to be like you just said. So you have to figure out like, how do you make, how do you make your success on Instagram real in real life? Yes. And also definitely, 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 definitely get a mailing list if you do not have one. I know I have one, but I feel like it's very, it's like very small and I'm really bad at building it, but it's, it's one of, it's like one of the things I'm working on this year. So. During the summer. 
It's figuring, yeah, during the summer. <laughs> no, now it's figuring out how do you build a mailing list? How do you turn people, you know, how do you um, transfer people from like an Instagram who like your work into a person that would actually subscribe to a mailing yeah. list is that I'm like grappling with. So, right. yeah. If I have any suggestions, I'll send them over to you because I'm sure I've got. Okay. Yes, please. Absolutely. And I have asked, like I asked people that I, that have come in contact with me that have experience in art. Uh, I've asked gallery owners, like an, an artist friends, you know, how do you do this? And so I've gotten a lot of great advice, but I will take all of the advice. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. But I, say, I have a, I have a quite a few friends um, okay, who are cool. great at this kind of things. So I'll send them over to you for sure. Okay. Awesome. I have a question for you from the last artist I spoke to. And artist is called Steve Roberts. And his question for you is, why do you make the work that you make? Okay, well, um, <laughs> I make the work that I make to change people's perspective of themselves um, and of like ourselves in general. So I, you know, I make the work that I make to allow someone to kind of see themselves from outside of themselves and the larger like biological and cosmological story of how we got where we are and we can look at the world around us. That's why I make what I make. So it's about change. Just like when I was an educator, it was about changing perspective. What I, that was the most exciting piece to me was that you can teach someone something and it could seem so little, but it could really change the way that they look at themselves mm. in the world. And that's why I make what I make is for that same reason. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, do you have a question for the next artist interview? I do. You know what? I wrote it down. Let me. Um, so, my net, my question is: What artist or piece of art significantly altered your perspective on what art is? That's such a good question. Let's pause and type in this and ask you: Which do you think is more important, the personality of the artist or the skill of the artist? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say it's a combination of the two, but I'm going to say the personality of the artist. Uh, but I don't actually agree with my own answer because when I'm <clears throat> when I'm observing art, I'm thinking about the personality of the artist. I'm thinking about if I know it, um, what they were trying to say, but I'm also uh, looking at how the, it's not really the skill in that can they paint something well, but it's like how did they use color. How did they, um, you know, use the media that they were using in a masterful way is really what I'm looking at. So it's like a little bit of both um, that really impresses me. So I guess I kind of cheated because I said both, but it is both. I mean, both is a valid answer. And I think it's probably the most common answer, but it's a valid answer because it's like you have, to, I think taking nowadays in this particular society where like people want to know the person behind the work, I think impressionality right. is very important because if we don't know who you are, people won't necessarily connect you and they won't necessarily want to know right. what it works about. But then at the same time, like your, your work has to also be visually good or you have to have some skill because, right. you know, you're not. I think, yeah, I would actually say for myself, it's probably like an eight, 90, no, probably like an 80% the skill of the artist. And when, like I said, hmm. when I say skill, it's usually not about like painting a, a beautiful portrait, right? Sure. It's usually about um, like the placement of colors and imagery and, uh in a way that I would never think about um so that is probably more so than the personality sometimes the personality of the artist I learn about and it makes me like them more you know uh example of that would be for me Jackson Pollock um not that I think he had the best personality but I thought right. he was much more intriguing and his art was much more intriguing when I learned about him as a person 
Um, another one is Chuck Close. I love Chuck Close, but the fact that Chuck Close, you know who that is? He paints these yeah, huge portraits. Sure, yeah. The fact that he has prosopagnosia, which is face blindness. And then of course, then he was, you know, yeah. now he's a paraplegic. Like I, but it's really the idea that there was this man that couldn't identify faces, including his own. And he devoted his life to painting portraits. I love that idea. Right. So yeah. that's a big part. If I had just seen his portrait and I didn't know that about him, it would be less meaningful. That's true. That's very true. I think it's always worth kind of discovering who the artist is, which is why I feel like stuff like yeah. this, like artist interviews and, you know, studio visits are very, very vital, I think, to understanding artists. Yeah. And having artists actually just sit down and actually talk about their work because sometimes you don't get yeah. the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which kind of goes into what we were saying before. It's like, you know, what my, I think that what I say about my work is like, in addition to, like, if someone has an experience with it without that, fine. But I do think that it adds to the experience when you hear about what someone was trying to say when they made something. Yes, that's very true. So what does it mean to be a successful artist? And how do you measure the success of your own work? Um, I think successful artists would be, I mean, success is different for everyone. So yeah. I, what is successful for me is not successful for somebody else. If I were a successful artist, like for me, if what I hope to envision for myself one day would be uh, having more time, having more time, uh, flexibility, um, being able to really um, play around and uh, experiment with ideas and techniques in a way that I haven't been able to because of my time constraints. So that would be um, important. And it would be um, becoming you know, an artist who let's say is moved off, like Instagram is very important and I value it so much, but like we talked about before, it's moving off of that platform so that, you know, people have seen my art um, that I'm having conversations with in real life, as opposed to just on my computer, which is not just on my computer, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um, and it's yes. like, those are real people and I, they, they're wonderful and I love them for following me. I think they're, they really keep me going, but I, I would feel like a successful artist if let's say my work were in more galleries and more people were looking at it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was more real life conversation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and for me to be honest with you being, and this is the quintessential being a successful artist because of the subject matter of my art, being a successful artist would be if as a, a science educator. So like we're talking Richard Dawkins or Neil deGrasse Tyson or someone like that wanted to collaborate in some way with me mm. to communicate uh, some concept, that would be like the pinnacle of success for me. I feel like you'd, you could so, like there's so much scope there for you to do something like that. That's the thing. Right. I feel like there really is. Like that's, that's like, like that's really a, what I want. <laughs> that's the exciting. That's the exciting thing about your work that there's that the opportunity, the possibility is there somewhere. It's just the stars aligning for that to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So like that really would be the pinnacle of success for me. I would love to work with a science educator who's passionate um, about their subject area and to create visual imagery that go along with and kind of, um, you know, bring different attention to the thing that they're passionate about communicating. Yeah, I like that. I hope that really does happen for you. I think it'd be amazing. It'd be absolutely yeah. amazing. <laughs> so what would your younger self think about your work? Um. I think my younger self would think, would be surprised that I am communicating what I am because, you know, you go through your life and you think that 
you make choices and you you have regrets and you don't expect at some point in your life for all of the pieces to fall into place and for you to use all of the skills and all of the things that you've learned over your life to to create the art that you've been trying to create your entire life. Um, if right. I hadn't gone to school for science, if I hadn't spent so much time teaching it and talking about it and thinking about it, I wouldn't be able to make what I make. Like I just wouldn't have that ability. And that's what my younger self would be surprised by. You know, I think when I was in college, I was always, um, I always wanted to take art classes when I was in college, but I couldn't because organic chemistry was at the same time as right. like the art classes I wanted to take, you know? And it was a regret of mine that I didn't go to school, school for art. It was like, I did something because I thought it was hard, but yeah. not because it was what I wanted in my heart. But had I not done it, I don't know what I would have had to talk about. You know, like, I don't yeah. know what I would be communicating if I hadn't gone through what I went through. And I love science. I mean, clearly, I love science, you know. So yeah. I think that's what my younger self would be surprised by. So the last question, which is, yeah. what are you currently working on? And where can people find more about you and your work? Yeah, so um, I am currently working on a series, um, and it is um, basically a series on neuroscience. And um, so where people can find my work is on two places. Uh, and I'll talk about the series a little bit more in a minute. So on Instagram, so Instagram is um, my handle or whatever is at forms underscore most underscore beautiful. Uh, I apologize about the underscore. Somebody already got forms most beautiful, you know, years yeah. before I did. Because uh, it's like a famous Darwin quote. So, you know, uh... they beat me to it. And um, and then my website is www.formsmostbeautiful.com. So I actually got that one. That. <laughs> yeah. But there is a book um, that I'm reading called Incognito by David Eagleman. And I was actually super excited because he followed me on Instagram. Um, so that was like a little, you know, I may have squealed a little bit. I got really excited about that because uh -huh. I think he's a genius and his books are amazing. He has lots of books about like different human conditions and about the brain. Um, and so basically I'm reading uh, that book and I am creating a series of work. And I'm also trying to move my work off of my Etsy page and onto my website. Um, and so I'm going to be releasing in April a limited, that limited series of prints, and then in uh, a series of five archive prints of pieces that I've made. So if you go on, on my Instagram from time to time, I'll post the new pieces and then I'll also post other pieces and I'll ask people to vote on them. So like right mm -hmm. now, if you go to my Instagram, I'm doing a giveaway right now. Um, the, obviously when people listen to this, that will be long gone, but I do giveaways usually every 1000 followers, I'll do a giveaway. Um, and so I'm asking people to vote on their favorite from like a series of pieces that I made and I will be, you know, using those pieces for that archival set that I, that I release. So that is so amazing. Amy, thank yeah. you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was really fun. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. That concludes my conversation with Amy Salamone. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitball at gmail.com. Please get in touch via social media sites, such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Fruitball podcast can be found on a variety of sites, such as Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Music. And if you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, or subscribing to help spread the word. Additionally, please don't forget to check out theflyingfruitball.co.uk for daily art inspiration. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. 
If you're interested in supporting the platform further, we also have a Patreon page for monthly donations. Tears down from £1 and you can find out more information over at patreon.com forward slash the fine fruit roll. If monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal for one-time donations. If you're interested in leaving a donation, I'll add a link in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode today. Until next week, folks, please stay safe.